guys, Flipman here. Welcome back to another episode of Cut the Curve, where I interview moguls, mentors, and entrepreneurs. And um, Philip Flipman's wag. So I've been in the industry 23 years now, over a thousand flips. Stop flipping solely into Airbnbs. So I'm here with my guest today, Alex Camacho. Welcome, Alex. Thanks for hey, Flip. Thanks for having me, man. I, I'm in beautiful state of Arizona. I'm excited. Yes, yes, and I really appreciate you joining us. I know you're just in town buying an 18 unit, and we'll we'll definitely go over that. But Alex Camacho buys houses, right? And yeah, yeah. So we predominantly in Southern California, but we also operate. In, I live in Hawaii, so we do deals there. And then we recently now acquired our first multifamily here in Arizona, Central Phoenix. So yeah, exciting. That's time. That right is now. very exciting. And Congratulations on that. So Alex and I met through Instagram, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. We've been uh, talking back and forth and uh, following each other for some time now. On Predominantly, I want to say on, on Facebook and Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So one of the things here with our audience is cut the curve. So we're trying to help them with issues, problems that you and I may have had in our real estate careers, getting started, where we came from, etc. So how did you, like, did you do the traditional route, went to high school, college, graduated, or what was your background there? Yeah, so I grew up in Southern California, um, you know, just humble beginnings. Um, my parents are both Mexican, um, so I grew up just watching them work hard. Uh, my mother was an entrepreneur in the uh, house cleaning business, and she had a business there. So that, I got a little bit of that bug early on, and my dad managed restaurants. So uh, I think I got a little bit of both of wanting to kind of maybe lead people at the same time, work for myself. Um, but yeah, I just uh, basically got out of right out of high school. Didn't know what I was gonna do. Uh, was doing some college stuff, and then went into banking, uh, which I I believe now which one of the best starts I could have ever gotten because you know, it gave me some structure. I learned something about the financial system. Um, there was a ceiling with, with income there though, and then I I, I got into the mortgage business uh, before the whole mortgage debacle and mortgage crisis, and then so um, had a great run. Then uh, making a lot of money. And then I lost it all. And then I uh, found real estate, to find a real estate, um, did that as a retail agent for some time. There's a couple of other things regarding like Airbnb, arbitrage, but then found the investor space about uh, a little bit more than five years ago now. And so I've been, a full -time, I've been in full-time real estate investing for five years now. Um, and so, yeah, now, now we're here. So every step leads us to here, right? So <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things. And I tell people like there's a reason why uh, if you learn a lot of skills, that are transferable that, that you could eventually or experience that could transfer over to the other parts of your journey. Um, just keep that in mind because I, I know for a fact that all the things that I worked on in the past have helped me become a better investor. I had you know, definitely some, you know, some advantages there. For yeah. sure, the transferable skills. So when you say banking, was it like retail banking where you were like yeah. customer just, service? I was just a banker, a bank teller uh, for a year. And then I was in uh, new accounts for uh, a couple of years. And then I started doing uh, some of those home equity lines of credit and uh, things like that. I was kind of in path to become a branch manager. But as I mentioned earlier, I just there was a ceiling of income there on banking that I just never liked. So that's why I ended up moving, going to something where there was no ceiling. So you me. didn't like my first job out of college was selling photocopiers. That was hard. Like, <laughs> man, another door slammed in your face. So but I'll tell you, after that job, I got Corp I work for ADP, the payroll service. Mm -hmm. So we work with a lot of the banks, Bank of America, but the training was phenomenal. So you talk about training. I'm sure yeah. with your banking career, yeah. you had some training with the mortgage company. You probably got training and that 
translates to what we're doing today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because if you're starting in real estate investing with absolutely no relevant experience, it's going to be harder than if you maybe had something that is a little bit more relevant. So I guess I, that's why I bring that up because, you know, I've, people um, sometimes will ask, well, how, how did you start? Well, even though I started real estate investing five years ago by working for other investors, um, the things that I worked on in the past, uh, without a doubt, helped me, have helped me, you know, kind of further along my uh, my career as an investor as well. So, so you yeah. got capped out in banking that led to mortgage. How was, were you a mortgage broker then in Southern California? Yeah. So uh, right around the early 2000s, um, you know, once I was leave, kind of transitioning, leaving banking, uh, the mid 2000s, I went into the mortgage business and I opened a small mortgage brokerage with my brother. And then during that time, uh, it was about three years or so, uh, we, you know, we had a small operation, about a dozen people, a um, handful of other loan officers originating deals. And um, so we, you know, we rolled that kind of wave. And uh, since I had some bank, I had the banking experience before that. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a big company, but we did very well. We, was we that made, when you could just sign your name and get a loan? Yeah, yeah. It was one of those, it was those times that, <laughs> Uh, you know, so when, I'm, when I see the funny movies like The Big Short, or oh, yep, like, yep, like yep. that, uh, if you haven't seen it, it's a great. It's That's a very, an I awesome say, movie, bro. I was in the mortgage business, and that is kind of an accurate description as to what. Dang, what was, that's what happened behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I always had an ethical background, right, having right. you know been in For banking sure. and stuff, and you can't really um, you know do much there, like gray area or whatnot. Not, and so I, I always wanted to you know give people a fair shot, and I didn't want to overcharge them. Um, but it was pretty easy to do loans back then. And there was a lot of people that were getting de declined by banks, you know, traditional banks. And so um, we did well during that time, but um, didn't really have a lot of mentors during that mm. time. I didn't really have a lot of positive habits that I could remember now in that so time. So as soon as you made it, you spent it. I mean, I know being 20s in that, and that's one thing, guys, do not do what we did because... I would invest it back into property now versus... Yeah, because that was... Actually, yeah. that's a great point. That was my biggest mistake, Flip, that I didn't invest into assets such as multifamily or, or properties that would have income uh, that could, you know, that could have weathered me through that upcoming storm that I did not see coming. You probably uh, had nice cars. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then also another thing I learned a lot during that time was that, you know, it's very difficult to control your income, but it's um, a lot easier to control your fixed and, you know, your, your monthly expenses. And so uh, I've always been, uh, now, well, after that, you know, losing all of that, yes. much more conscious about how much my monthly fixed expenses are. So that way I don't ever get in over my head and, and you know, and, and, and I, I have much, enough breathing room. And then also I can uh, save more, invest more. Um, and it's just kind of a mindset. When you have money saved, uh, you have uh, reserves, um, you have money invested in a place, it, it just, you're be able to operate from a place. The energy, just, it yeah. frees yeah. you up, guys. So don't do that big mistake is, yeah. you know, because the, the rough times do come. The yeah. seasons change. I mean, so you got hit 08, 09, that Yeah, yeah. Frame. So during that time, uh, you know, I, I was riding high, uh, high on the mountain, and then market crashed um, very quickly. Uh, within six, you know, less than six months, I went from being able to make multiple six figures I was making consistently to uh, maybe if I was lucky, 50 grand that year. Yeah. But my expenses didn't change that quickly either. So, you know, I slowly lost it all over a year or two. I literally was sleeping on my mom's couch. Um, after, you know, riding high, driving the Porsches, having the expensive watches and, and you know, partying and, and all that cool stuff and having multiple houses to losing it all. But, you know, more than anything, what I learned was uh, just uh, I, no, I no longer have any attachment to material things. So that's one big one, right, where I like, I like nice things. Sure. But I don't, they don't define me anymore. Or I don't, you know, want to be around people just simply because I have nice things, right? 100%. Um, 
and then going back to what I was saying with the, with the whole like you know just keeping having a lot more mentors and um, just having people to you know just having more uh, skills around like money ma managing money and uh, all that like money management skills I guess is really really important especially when you're starting off you know kind of uh, reach certain level your your, uh, your your job is kind of like a CEO is like it's very financial absolutely yeah, yeah. yeah so. For me, Alex, that, I mean, that and a time five years ago were the two hardest times. So not only did I lose all the houses, I got divorced. It was just, you know, we saw friends commit suicide. We yeah. had some, you know, so you just have to don't live above your means, I'd say, because, you know. Yeah. We're, yeah. And a big part of investing is psychological. So. If psychologically you feel safe that like hey I got this money saved and then I got this other stuff invested you're gonna operate with a lot more reason a lot more yep. logic 100%. and I think that's really your best friend when you're an investor like just operating from a place of like actual understanding and knowing and um, you know reason is your best friend as an investor because so many times we get emotionally connected to certain things and then we make bad decisions because of our emotions you know we're and if you know being very low on money, it's easy to get emotional right you're like you're scrambling you're all over the place you don't know how to think straight. Uh, how are you going to make good decisions? You can't. You basically can't. You're like screwed. So Unless... part of my, my, my failure was that kind of that spiral down, right? Yes, I'm sure you're 100%. Like one bad decision after another after another. Yep. And, and uh, it's much easier to make bad decisions when you're you're broke and you know just kind of struggling and you don't know you know you don't know where you're going to get your next meal or you're, you know, how you're going to pay your rent. Then it's if you have you know plenty of money in the bank, plenty of money things out there that are paying your bills. And, and for me, yeah. I didn't I didn't know what else to do. All I had done the last. 15 years, 12 years, whatever it was, was real estate. So what now? Yeah. What am I going to move to? So um, thank God I met two Canadian women who were teaching um, students from Canada how to invest in the United States. So they would do all the book teaching, and then they would send me clients for to be the boots on the ground in Arizona. Okay. So I basically worked for the Canadians for like two and a half years sourcing deals. Because they were buying here. They were buying here at like, you know, 30, like deep, deep discounts because everything was on sale. Yeah. So yep. I would um, eventually JV with them. And then like three years after I had saved enough money of my own to start flipping again because I couldn't do that. So yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was challenging, but again, anytime you're doing well, you're going to be hit with some cha big challenges, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think I heard it put well, and I think we, I mean, this is worth repeating right now, is that like when recessions hit and when things like contract and they change like that, you're basically having to work like twice as hard to make half the money. Yeah. So are you willing to do that? And I remember hearing that later after the fact, and I, and I think back, and I remember being paralyzed, you know, and just like with fear and like not, okay, what am I going to do? Uh, and not taking enough action, really. Uh -huh. uh, if I would have been able to, you know, just really have my head on straight and really just got after him, like understand, hey, this is a storm, it's gonna pass. I would have got through it a lot, you know, less unscathed, but I didn't take more action. I just was like kind of very cautious and just was kind of, you know how like in, in sports, they, 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 in football, they prevent defense and mm -hmm. they're just, mm -hmm. but really a lot of times they end up losing because they're, instead of playing to win, they're just playing not to lose. And so I felt like that was gotcha. being very, very relevant back in the recession. And, you know, that'll probably happen again. And we're seeing some corrections now with the market that uh, now you're going to have to work twice as hard. It was, it was pretty easy for some time. Now we're going to have to work harder for less money. And, and that was so interesting you said that because I remember how easy, for example, you got in the mortgage business. I don't know if you were chasing the money at that time, but I had numerous buddies. One was an engineer. He got in mortgage because 
anyone could make money at that yeah, at that yeah, time. Exactly. Well, I mean, it was an easy transition for us uh, or for me uh, coming from banking. Um, but yeah, it, it was like one of those things that like I didn't really love the mortgage business, but um, it was I had experience it was yep. there, um, and it did kind of fulfill that entrepreneur kind of uh, you know part of me that I did want to create a company. Hey guys, quick announcement. I just launched my new Passive Income Accelerator course. In this course, you'll learn how I built my Airbnb portfolio to 10 properties and growing while amassing three dollars to $5,000 per property per month. If you want to learn more, go to piaaccelerator.com slash go and sign up for the early bird special. And now back to the podcast. Um, but Have you always been an art entrepreneur then, or? Yeah, well, I think I've had both. Where I've done well in corporate roles um, that allowed me to grow, and then other other roles where it's like, hey, you know, I'd rather kind of, I kind of want to be the boss, or I want to be the one in charge. Um, but at least with something that I'm familiar with, with now, like I now that I you know have a certain amount of experience with real estate investing, I don't think that I'd go work for anybody at this point anymore. Right? Sure. Um, but you know, there is uh, certain projects, certain things like that. Um, that interests me, but more so it's it just creating something that like for me is very important is create a lifestyle uh, kind of around my business rather than like, okay, me having this business and it's all about my business. So um, I probably could make more money than what I currently do, even though I do very well, um, simply because I, I prefer designing a great life, you know, so I can live everything now. Um, that's why I live in Mexico and in Hawaii yeah, and yeah. I travel often. And, and, and that's that. when I was doing the Tony Robbins classes, guys, about 20 years ago, I developed my lifestyle plan. It was more of a lifestyle than a job. So I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Like, and then I think that's what a lot of people get into real estate for, right? Flip, they understand that it gives you the freedom, um, if you do it right, uh, to create the life of your dreams. Um, now that's not going to take six months, but for sure, uh, I can tell you that it, it take me about Half, I thought it was gonna take me ten years. It took me about five. Yeah, but I mean, we were talking about this. We were talking about this right before we jumped on the camera. That, uh, but I, 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 first paid my dues with mentors. You know, working for them uh, and or listening to like podcasts and all that. And then I, you know, worked for. Uh, you know, I made people a lot of money. Uh, and then I paid coaches to help me once I went off on my own. I continued to pay for courses, masterminds, all that. Um, so the growth never learns, and you're you're really better off listening to people that have already done it or doing what you want to do, so that way you can cut the curve and and not facts. Well, yeah, what what you could do in in, in a two years, um, you could maybe do in six months if you had the right people, you know, in your corner yeah, yeah. for sure, sure. And it, it the universe works too because I have mentors in my life. I'm sure you continually grow right. and have mentors for the next next thing up. Yeah, because there's another level always. Always right, another yeah. level. Um, so back in the day, Alex, when. Um, you mentioned you and your brother had the mortgage company. You guys really weren't in tune with mentors at that time or like, cause I know with my mentor, when that recession happened, he's like, you know, we knew it was coming, but cause he had been through three recessions, mm -hmm. Jerry, cause he's much older, but like he helped, even though he helped guide me, it was the hardest time of my life yeah. going through that. Yeah. So did you have people in your, I didn't. And that's why oh, I think it was a big gotcha. failure. Like, I barely started reading like books consistently around that time. And that was mainly because I noticed they're like, hey, I'm not going to be able to make the same amount of money, do the same, have the same amount of success if I'm the same person. Things are radically changing with you know banks going bankrupt every you know oh, couple yeah. of weeks and, and you know kind of radically changing our business. So that's when I step when I step back later on, you know, years later, or to really look at that time period, like, hey, what did I really learn, or why did I fail so hard? That was one big part of it. like I didn't really have any real 
mentors I could lean on. I'm like, hey, what do I do here? Like, right. things, the market's crashing because they would have probably gave me, you know, better advice than what I, you know, currently have, which was nothing. Was yeah, just, and you're whatever, just trying to whip whatever it I up, could like figure it out. Yeah. I do. And, and I'm playing that you're defense. emotional. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Um, and I didn't do much. And so that's why I think I, I feel like more you than said, you're kind to. of paralyzed that, yeah, like, yeah, just yeah. stop. Yeah, because I, I could have transitioned to like doing real estate a little bit more. I look back now and, you know, they say hindsight 2020. Yeah, I could have done a couple of moves at that time that were kind of there, but I just maybe needed to, you know, to have other perspectives from somebody. Perspective, that, yeah. that's a good word. Yeah, yeah. and then I, I didn't. I just was like, okay, I'm losing it all. Like, okay, whatever. And also, I had a toxic, you know, relationship at that time uh-huh. with, with the girlfriend. It was just really ups and downs. And, and so, um, you know, a lot of things contributed to it, but and, um, you unpack stuff like that. You got, yep. you got to look back and reflect. I'm like, hey, why oh, yeah. did I fail? But also, why did I win? And, and things like that. And try to have accuracy as to I why these that. things happen. I love that. Yeah. So if you are more aware of you as a person, like how can I be a better person? Like, yeah. But you have to have that self-awareness too. Yeah, and, yeah, and then because um, a flip, I, I'm, I'm, tell me what your thoughts is on this, but some of the most successful people that I know are willing to ask for help constantly, right? Like Damn, I had people that are yeah. way higher level than me call me oh, and yeah. ask me for certain like favors or certain things like that. And I'm yeah. just like, I, and I remember thinking like, damn, like this person is very, very successful with like 10x more than me. Like, and they're asking me for help. Uh-huh. Like, then that should tell me something. I should be willing 100%. to like, because it's yeah. humbling, right? To, to ask for help and, and recognize like, so, I can't do this yeah. by myself. How can I, you know, who do I need to ask and recruit or, you know, uh, get in to help me on this? And uh, I see that kind of as a common theme. And so, like, I, I didn't do that back then. I would just see my bubble, like, oh, uh, what do I do? What do I do? I was too ashamed to, to, to you know, to, yeah. to go ask for the help because it would, admit, admit, it would admit that I was failing. And instead, I failed harder. It took me, I don't know how many years. So, about four years ago, some of you guys know I got really sick. But after I got really sick and almost died, now I'm okay asking for help, bro. Yeah. Like, but it took that whole darkness to get yeah. where it's, it's fine. And like you said... Most successful people, we don't we don't know at all. So yep. why yep. not go somewhere and and so ask, ask for help? Okay, you guys, so if you need help, ask for it. And yep. maybe not the first person going to give it to you that you ask, but eventually, if you ask ten people for help, that one person is going to help you. Because if you need it, you need to ask for it. No one's just going to just land in your lap and read your mind that you need that specific yeah. help. And again, it's. Uh, you have to understand that you do need that help because I was in denial. No, I could figure it out, but yeah. it didn't work well. So that's a good point, Alex. So you did the mortgage. You got out of that. Did you get right into the real estate? Did you get your real estate license to start selling properties after that? Or Yeah, so after that, there was a small period of time um, that I kind of worked on these like loan, modifica- loan modifications. I remember those. I remember yep, they, yep. Were, they were really popular. But it was kind of on shaky ground, and then they passed a law that you couldn't really do it, and so we didn't really want to be a part of that anymore. So right after that, when I did get my real estate license um, and began to work on a lot of short sales during that time, um, and one of the things that I noticed during time, which is where later on I you know, kind of got the idea, was I was seeing what was happening in the market that time, and I was looking at the houses, and me growing up in the San Fernando Valley and looking at these houses that once were 600000 that were 300000 I knew that man, these are good deals. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't, this house, I mean, to rebuild this house, you know, re, cost re, replacement costs, yeah. all that stuff, and we're just like looking at numbers, I'm like, this house, I remember looking at houses in Reseda, nice size square footage, nice neighborhoods, and they're like $300,000. And I was like, and they had previously been close to 600. Now those houses are 700, but, you know, over mm-hmm. time, right? But I remember thinking that this is a time in history that I don't see the houses ever being cheaper than this. 
And, and then I started seeing the, all the investors that did have money, which wasn't many, but the ones that did were just cleaning up. They come in and they buy these houses and they flip them and barely put any work in. They're making like 100 grand. And that's really kind of where I got the, the seed was planted for me to want you to become. You saw the a, numbers. Yeah. yeah, I just saw the numbers. I'm like, I would work for like six months, eight months on a deal, negotiate it with the lender, you know, go through the short sale process. For that, those of you that don't know, it's, it's, it can be a lengthy process. As a real estate agent, you submit a lot of paperwork. You go back and forth with your client. Time. You know, How much? And you and may some, or may yeah, not get that short sale. And it might not close. Exactly yeah. what you're saying. <laughs> so I'd go through all that process, and then I'd negotiate a great deal for uh, for the buyer, which usually was an investor, nine times out of ten, for the type, especially the foreclosures that I was mainly working on. And then they'd go on, go in in there, clean it up, fix it up. A couple months later, it's back on the market, and it's sold for like what I could tell, even though I wasn't a construction expert i'm like i sold this house to this person at 300 they sold it for 500 like you know like this this is there's something like i'm missing here like i, I gotta do I, they made 100 i made 10 you know? right like, i'm on the wrong side of this. Yeah. Like, so it was just really just that, that simple like observation like i'm on the wrong side of this i think if i work the same amount of time but if i'm on their side i'm gonna make 10 times more if i could flip one house a month then i can make a million bucks a year it was like that, that my numbers were that simple it wasn't like a simple complicated like, formula like i want to build this and scale up have this amount of team no it was like i could flip one house a month make a million dollars i could do that facts yeah, yeah. yeah. That's hot. And then, so did you go to bigger pockets or where, where did like you start like probing? Like for me, I mean, mine has always been at Barnes and Noble. So I always read up and then I ordered some, you know, late night shows back in the day, but like now bigger pockets, I don't know if you guys know them, but they have a giant community. You had mentioned it. I think uh, Ryan Padina out of Vegas mentioned yeah, he yeah. started there. So, yeah. So, um, well, regarding like bigger pockets and all that, when I first start to look a little bit more formal into it, um, I think the, the, the big book that, that got me to think about being a real, full-time real estate investor was that book by Gary Keller, The Millionaire Real okay. Estate Investor. Yep, yep. So that was actually... Uh, Keller the, like, Williams, yeah. Yeah, that was the, like, the, like the real start. I was like, oh, wow. Because if you recall in that book, in the back of that book, there's like profiles of the investors. It's, and now it's like more popular with podcasts. Like people interview uh, investors and whatnot and you hear their stories. But back then I wasn't as into a podcast. It wasn't uh -huh. as popular. And so I remember looking at the profiles. And I remember thinking like, oh, wow, like this person got really rich. You know, this strategy and like doing this, you know, flipping. And this person bought commercial. And I just really resonated with that. That, you know, there was a variety of people from different backgrounds um, that were able to become very successful in real estate. Um, through different strategies. Yeah, and, and I like what you said, different backgrounds. It doesn't matter where you guys start. It's like, where are you going? Like, yeah. where are we going Yeah, today? so I was like, oh, well, that, that, and so I remember that book, and then, at that, and then I started doing more research after I read, I read that book a couple of times, and I, and I was like, yeah, I want to be a full-time real estate investor. Also, I read that book, Mastery, by Robert Green. Green. I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, well, that I'm book is deep, right? That, big, that book yeah. is, it seriously makes you want to become an expert. It shows you how to become an expert in something, and um, I resonated a lot with his writing. And so it was like those two combos, like, That's... what do you want to master? <laughs> and the millionaire real estate investor, uh -huh. those were like that one-two punch. And that then led me into like bigger pockets. And then from bigger pockets is, I kind of got the idea of, well, like, 
I need to kind of go work for somebody that's doing what I want to do. Because uh, that concept was kind of in all of those like books. For uh, sure. You know, yeah. how to become an apprentice. And I talked to a lot of people about this. Uh, I have interns myself. I've mentored people. I've helped people become full-time real estate investors because um, there's nothing like just seeing the nuts and bolts and um, all the details of what this business is really about. And it's hard to do that through, through a book or a podcast or, or any of that. Um, what so, an opportunity. Yeah. I wish that was around when I had started real estate. I... I had to find a mentor just through referrals, but I knew back in 2000 I needed a mentor. I met Jerry and four years later, and then my business just 10, I mean, it blew up once I had a mentor because mm. I didn't know much. I was just trying to throw stuff against the wall and then hope it stuck. But you Yeah, know. What, what, and what was that? Was that one of your first mentors on the real estate investing? Um, so when I was working in corporate America, I had Charles, and he helped show me rentals. And because he was driving a nice car, I'm like, yeah, we get paid well here. But he, he was just always, I'm like, then we started hiking and he taught me about rentals. So I did that. And then like five years later, Jerry taught me the creative stuff, the seller carrybacks, the mm. lease options. And so him and I built a 50 unit portfolio of rentals and then the collapse, of mm. course. But through that four years of being partners, I can't tell you. Like yeah, how yeah. much I learned. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I, I get a lot of satisfaction from um, helping people get started or get to yeah. the next level. Yeah, and it's as available. long as there's like a win-win, you know. And like they have to. I think Brent was saying they have to provide. They can't just come in and say, "What what's in it for me?" They yeah. have to come in it with a different mindset. Yeah, exactly. Now, they first of all they have to have a high desire uh, generally, and then they they have to be able to. Um, kind of really show up and, and be show there up to, 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 every day. Yeah, yeah. It's not easy, bro. It, it's not it, because you know it's like if you're coming into this business with the wrong mindset, then you're gonna definitely fail. But if you come in with the right mindset, like, hey, I'm gonna pay my dues. But with me, my mindset was like, I'm gonna invest ten years of my life, and I think by the time that ten years is done, I'm gonna be okay. And I know the first couple of years, I'm probably not gonna make a lot of money. But by three year three year four, I'm gonna be making a lot, a lot of money, a lot yeah. more than I you know took compensate to make up for the year two years that i wasn't does it um, a lot of people don't see they want the short term so how do you like tell people watching the podcast who i it's just like they see us successful now but like the hard work took years like yeah well i think there's a, a couple ways into this business but I, I don't i don't like to sugarcoat it or kind of paint this picture that it's easier than what it is um, I try to paint as accurate as possible, but generally, if you got a full-time gig, then you're going to have to do like another full-time gig to get into this game, you know, because you're competing with people like us that are full-time, that have teams, that have experience and a lot of resources. So, you know, you got to, you know, get after for an extended period of time. Um, you know, it can't just be like this flashy, you know, or what is those, uh, like a you know, shiny light, shiny, oh, yeah. shiny yeah. object syndrome, right? Yes. I think it is. And so um, you got to give it really a, uh, a hard push for you know i'd say a good six months at least um you know to be able to kind of get in this business or uh then yeah you go out there and you pay a mentor and you get alongside someone else or work for them uh for an extended period of time not get paid anything because why would you want to recreate the wheel when it's already like you could put alex twist on a flips twist but why try to recreate the yeah the wheel, absolutely bro? there's there's many ways that every investor needs more help you know it I, depends yeah. on depends on how you, and you know one of the things i always tell people is like people reach out to me like hey you know i got i have a couple hours free a week i'm willing to work for you blah 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 and i'm just like hey i don't even know enough about you you're you're making a job for me to like maybe to help you out and to mentor you 
Um, maybe you should just do a little bit more of an inventory about what you actually, what are your best skills. Yep. And then, because um, I'm not going to work my business around your schedule or to mentor you. Yeah. Like, so I think you're just getting, you know, so I, I try to be kind of polite about it, but like, for like sure. hey, like you're, you're basically saying, hey, I'm, I work for you for free for a couple of days and then I got to figure out how to plug you in, you know, to my machine. And to you and me, that's backwards thinking. Yeah. Just like, hey, Alex, I'll take you out for lunch. Well, lunches are going to be way too expensive. First, I, I don't have the time to yeah. go to lunches. If we have an event and there's things like that, that's great. But they have to provide value because I'm not being egotistical, but we put a lot of hard work into building something. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to like help everybody. They got to help themselves. They got to use common sense. Like, if I announce that I'm doing this meetup, maybe you should message me and say, hey, how can I help with the meetup? Uh, you know, I know this, I know that, you know, like you should be, you know, be observant. Um, I, I recently brought in two team members where I was in L.A. and I've kind of uh, taken this approach now. Um, sounds maybe a little bit weird, but I just gave up driving. Like I don't drive anymore. It, we it just, sound alike, brother. I yeah. can't freaking. I hate driving. Phoenix it's, is the worst right it's now. It's just not a like, good use of my time. Yeah. So I, and then if you have a driver, you're you're exactly. <laughs> so I'm able to get more work done. It just I have to be productive. And so I was in LA and I was driving on the 405 freeway. And if you've ever driven on driven on that freeway, it's like a parking lot. And I was just thinking like, this is why I don't like driving in California. So I just. Post it on my Instagram. Hey guys, I'm looking for a driver. If you want to be my personal driver, over here in my conversations, go to meetings with me. You know, get to ask me questions directly. Shoot me a DM, and like 20 people like message me, and then I end up picking two. And so like they drove me all around for like two weeks there in LA, and then they did such a good job. I flew both of them with me to Hawaii to like, help me over there on stuff I needed to go to for like a couple of weeks, and then and then I flew back with one of them to here to Arizona. He's been working on the project management management for the building here a little bit but i say that story is because now it was a win for them win for me i directly needed this driver once they became a good driver and they were good like helping me and they kind of really plugged in the holes that i needed while i was there in la they earned their spot to continue with me on there's the next other ride. opportunities for these people and yeah. Do you mind if I steal that idea and get some drive? Well, I, I love, love that it's idea. Great. Like right? driving around, like <laughs> and, and, you know, like in my car, your driver, and I, and I give them twenty bucks an hour, which is like I'm being extra generous. Like that is, but, but they're learning a ton by listening to yeah. the back end conversation. Yeah, they're hearing conversations. They're getting to ask me questions. They're getting to see all my meetings. They're also getting to see really the pace in which you know I operate. It's like look, look, and I take a five minute break here, five minute break there, here and there. Uh, and like, that's another moving. thing. We're, we're I usually going. don't take lunches when I said that back in. Like, I, yeah, sometimes I just eat in the car and go, bro. I'm like, yeah, and so they got to see it and they're like, damn. Like, so I think that it, it, it subconsciously kind of like, programs them. Like, hey, if I want to operate at a high level, make a lot of money, be successful, do what I need to do, then I need to be able to you know, kind of have that, that type of pace, that mindset. Because they would see me like from raising capital on one call for this 18 unit to the next call, like like putting out a fire on one of the Maui deals to like just like just all these yeah. variety of tasks. I'm like, hey, do you really want to be the man? Do you want to be a captain? Do you want to be a CEO? Like this is what it kind of takes, um, like just so you see. Uh, and then they're also like, able to assimilate and say, like, hey, Alex, I know that you haven't eaten anything like that. Let me go grab, what do you guys want for lunch? I'm going to go grab lunch. And just like, I need people to take initiative in my organization. I love that. I can't I like, have that. people just sitting around being told what to do. Like, see what's going on, plug in some holes, like jump, jump into the mix, I'm the help exact out. same way. And so like, I, I, initiative for me is super key uh, trait that I look for in my team members. Initiative, yeah. definitely. And it's a win-win, guys. Now those people are valuable team members, I'm yeah. sure, because yeah. you're, you're rising them up because they showed up and showed up, like, they're showing initiative yep yep so that's super super dope so once you 
got into that, I remember you were talking a little bit before we met, you started working for other investors in Southern Cal? Yeah, so the way I got my start is um, I, I got a telemarketing job for a fix and flip investor uh, in Southern California. He was doing about 20, 30 flips a year and he was keeping like a handful, I'd say four to six properties a year that were like duplexes and things that were more income, uh, those type of uh, properties. And so I really liked his business model. Um, just I literally just was pounding the phones for six to eight hours a day, uh, different lists, uh, you know, on a dialer, um, getting beat up. And what was uh, that about? Like, did you like feel above? Like, I know some people, if you ask them, they're like, I'm not doing that. Like, yeah, six, well, eight hours. that was that, that was remember I went back and I'm like, hey, what do I need to do? I got to go work for this person. So I had to take an entry level position when I'm used to making, you know, 100 grand or more a year. This guy's going to be paying me like, I mean, less than half of that. Yeah, I mean, it, literally it was I was like twenty five hundred dollars a month, if I recall, and like twenty five hundred a deal. But he wanted deep discount, like hundred thousand dollar profit deals. And so um, I was not making very much, but um, I was learning because I got to hear him. I got to see what he was up to. I got to hear him negotiate with agents. I got to see how he led uh, his team. And then um, I just really got to uh, see the business model and take the things that I liked from it. And then later on, and then, you know, the things that I didn't like, such as like the, comp the, the very weak compensation plan, the kind of secretive kind of internal structure like where right. they just they didn't want you to know how much you spent on the rehab because then you would know how much they actually made in profit so it wasn't like an open book kind of policy. yeah everything should be transparent yeah right? it was like, nothing like that actually as a matter of fact they would lie to me about like the rehab and and, and i would i i knew what was going on right because i was kind of close to the project managers but they didn't know that so i'm like oh hey how much did you spend on this project and they're like, oh you know twenty five thousand. and then later on he'd say that we spent 45 or something gotcha. so it's kind of like one of those like things where i'm like all right cool like, i get it but like, I'm not gonna do that when I go out on my own and do that. Um, but yeah, so I went to go work for them. And then, um, because for me, it's always been about like the learning. That's why I was thinking, I was just gonna say, speaking with you, it's about the knowledge. Yeah. It's not chasing the money guys, because the money will come if you have the expertise and learning. Yeah, so once I, I, that's exactly what I was gonna say is that the learning was more of a priority or else I would have quit way sooner than the year I worked for him because there was plenty of times where I either didn't get along with, with one of his, you know, his upper level um, kind of right hand man and then and or there was just times where I'm like, dude, I'm not making anything and I just did, got this killer deal for this guy and he's gonna make a hundred grand, I'm gonna make like 2,500 bucks. It was very difficult, but- But you stuck it through. It yeah, I stuck like... it through because, you know, I, I was learning and as soon as I stopped learning or I felt like, hey, you know, I kind of reached a plateau on the learning, that's when I really was like, okay, well, I need to go on to the next step. And I hadn't really made that much money, but I had learned a valuable skill of how to originate investment deals. Um, I had you know, learned how to analyze the deals. I had learned how to negotiate. So I had these skills, but I didn't quite have the money yet. But So I still had a little bit, I still had my journey to go. And in that book, Mastery, there's this uh, chapter that talks about apprenticeship uh, phase. And that was for me where I was able to think about it that way. Like, hey, I'm still in the apprenticeship phase of my you know, career here as a real estate investor, I still have some dues to pay. Let me go work for another company. And so around that time I got recruited. And the reason I paid attention because I had reached that plateau. So then um, they recruited me and they were like, oh, well, you know, um, through social media, they saw that I was you know, doing deals and then I got a position for them. But they were a different business model, although they were also a flipping company, they um, were doing volume and they were making less per deal. And then they had more uh, team and more systems. Um, and a more concentrated effort on what kind of properties they were buying. So the business model was different. And I tell people, 
new investors and people I speak to about investing that some of the most valuable thing, one of the most valuable things to do as an, as an investor up and coming and whatnot is to peek into the life and the business of other real estate investors that are doing kind of things that you want to do because then you get to see like, like wow, like, oh, they do it this way and they do it that way. And so I got to see this, uh, these two different business models. One was like deep discount, you know, just very selective deals, um, you know, this, uh, willing to do any type of rehab, also willing to do some permitting and then additions if necessary. And this other model was just like buy volume, buy 20, 30 houses a month, make 30, 40,000 each one, buy just the entry level stuff houses, buy stuff with mainly cosmetic entry level, you know, kind of cosmetic rehabs. And so then, but more systems, more processes. So then I got to see both of those. And then um, I, the second company I worked for, man, I, I mean, I turned on the, the, the afterburner Zara and I worked really hard because I knew more at that point. I was making more, I was making 10% uh, later on more uh, and plus a better salary. So then I ended up buying them or helping them acquire 54 houses like in about a year and a half. And so in that two and a half year stretch of my apprenticeship phase, uh, I worked on like over 65 deals. Um, and you know, kind of learned a lot and saved a couple hundred thousand dollars at that point. And then that's when I kind of, that was a juncture when I went off on my own about three years ago. That's awesome. Yeah. So. You knew the time was right. You're like, I could do this. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> on my own, because being up, running on your own is completely different than working for someone. Like, yeah, and I mean, if you're gonna yeah. risk your own money and and you're gonna, um, you know, there's stuff that you could really lose money. Then you, you should be, you know, knowledgeable in that. And yeah. So for me, it was always like, I want to make sure that I don't lose money, so I need to know what I'm doing. And so, you know, maybe I could, I could have took off probably a little bit sooner, but I was learning a lot. I was buying like a house a week with them. I was like, I mean, I was kind of enjoying what I was doing, but. Uh, and you were it, making good money, yeah, I was making right? you know, like, good money. And, um, and I enjoyed what I was doing. And then I was, uh, again, I was learning so a lot. I was like buying a house a week. You know, there's a lot of learning um, with that. Yeah. And so I was. Was this was, all in Southern Cal? That was all in Southern Cal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so people were saying, oh, you can't do deals in, in LA. You can't do deals in Southern California. Well, I mean, uh, I was making five offers a day. You know, I was looking at 10. 15, I've always heard that there's no deals out there anymore. Flip. I'm like, what? All right. Maybe there's no more deals. Let me go buy a few today. <laughs> there's always going to be deals. There's always bro. deals. In every market, there's always deals. You just have to you know, put in enough work and find them and create them. You know, they're, they're there. But yeah. Yeah. You're not going to do that by making like five offers. Jesus. Hey, guys. Quick announcement. I just launched my new passive income accelerator course. In this course, you'll learn how I built my Airbnb portfolio to 10 properties and growing while amassing three to $5,000 per property per month. If you wanna learn more, go to piaaccelerator.com slash go and sign up for the early bird special. And now back to the podcast. <laughs> consistent, consistent, yeah. So. You seem to have the best lifestyle I see in Hawaii. Guadalajara, is that a yeah, spot? Because yeah. I went and visited there like a while back. I loved it out there. Yeah. And then LA, now you're in Phoenix. So is you running remotely for all your business or what are yeah, you doing? Yeah, so about two years ago, um, I moved to Hawaii. Um, I got close with Brandon Turner, one of my mentors. We went to a mastermind, or I went to one of his masterminds. His, one of his first ones in Hawaii. Uh, a little bit after I went on vacation, about three years ago. And then, um, so after I did that, I just went and executed what, you know, the plan of that mastermind and then the pandemic broke out. And then what ended up happening is that um, I decided to sell my primary residence in LA because I had a lot of you know, equity tied up in there and then I, you know, I needed to 
get more liquid to buy more property and it just it was the best it was the best solution although i you know i was saying earlier about logic i was like emotionally attached to that property because mm. uh, i hadn't had a primary up until that time and then i had a really nice primary uh, residence and it was very prideful you know, uh -huh. I, you know i have enough room to hold my parents and i built a garage uh, built a a custom office inside of a huge uh, detached garage and uh, kind of, you know, did some Airbnb in the bedrooms in the front. So I didn't really want to sell that property, but it was the best decision um, lo logically. And so I did that and I moved to Hawaii because I got this offer from Brandon to kind of, you know, work with him in, in some capacity, do some flipping over there and just kind of got this opportunity. I couldn't nice. pass. It was an opportunity of a lifetime. So I left. But then the, what that happened is that it, it forced me to, you know, to have to be able to remote manage my company in L.A. because most of our deals were still going to be in L.A. Um, I was just moving to Hawaii to you know, move to Hawaii and um, live that lifestyle out there. And L.A. wasn't the most pleasant place to live because of, like, the lockdowns and everything during that time. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And then I remember Brandon, um, one Thanksgiving, that, that when I first moved over there, just said, like, hey, be careful that you know, don't try to, you know, build two bridges at once. He used that analogy. I still mm -hmm. remember him kind of doing this thing. We were sitting there at, at dinner. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. He's like, because my, my natural state is to be a hunter and to like i love the deal i go out there and how oh, i'm on hawaii i can go look at in property go make offers but instead i just sat there in that small room and just zoom meetings like back to back for hours for weeks for, for months uh, to make sure that my team was getting the training they needed and to be able to execute without me physically being there so i could actually build a real business you know but yeah. at that time it was like had kind of a business but if I wasn't really available all the time, it would fall apart easily. Because you, you were pretty much, you ran everything. So for you to leave, you had to make sure they were exactly, rounded. Exactly. And like, so you know, I started, you know, started to like kind of start to click after month two or three there. And then uh, I remember still vividly that we got our first deal where all I did was send the EMD um, and wire that in. And then just check the final numbers. And that was it. Like, Dang, I didn't do nothing nice. else. Like, my team went out there, got the deal. They, they sourced it off MLS. They locked it up. They negotiated. Um, they went out there and, and just, you know, just put it out there on a silver, silver platter for me. And that's when I was, like, I remember flying into L.A. to kind of go through the inspection and make sure that, hey, they didn't miss anything. And I remember thinking on the plane, like, I hope that they didn't miss anything. And, you know, I'm not flying in here. Because at that point, they had been working for three months and not got paid anything. I mean, they're on commission only. Um, you know, I'm beginning to question. I had three or four flips going on at one time myself already. Uh -huh. So I already had revenue coming in and my cash out there. And so I wasn't worried whether I was going to continue to flip. I just was worried whether or not I could actually build a business where people could flip houses and help me flip houses and I don't have to physically be there. And sure enough, I remember walking through that property and they didn't miss anything. And I, I remember thinking like... This is like this is what I've been wanting it to build. It was like an epiphany. Yeah. Went this off. is what I've been like, wanting to build. This is a business. Now. Yeah, now I have a business, so that's good because I, I always wanted to build a business, a real estate investment company, because I like the product that's gonna you know that we're buying for myself, but I also want a company in this industry. Yeah, you know, yep. so I want both. You know, kind of like the Robert Kiyosaki, the cash flow quadrant. I feel like it kind of knocks out both, right? Uh, it's a business owner and investor. You know, it's employee. Self-employed business owner investor, and I feel like owning a real estate investment company kind of knocks out both of those on the right side. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I've always wanted to do that because that is the reason I got out of flipping the last two and a half years. Because if I wasn't there working, like I didn't have that team around me, and so looking back, I could build the team, and it makes sense. But I got into the Airbnb space where now I have team, and it, mm. it's sustainable, and I just love that space and I know you got into that you said you stayed at your first one like 10 years ago then you did arbitrage what what was that like for you 
Yeah, so I became a, a guest uh, in 2010, like I, I mentioned to you earlier, because I don't know, just some random trips, but I was an early adopter with it. And then we did some Airbnb arbitrage um, in Hollywood with my brother. Um, and that helped us kind of, you know, me leapfrog into the, more, into the real estate investing space. Right now, currently, though, uh, we're working on some um, projects in Joshua Tree. Nice. So um, we got five projects out there right now. Um, I believe three of those five are going to be holds that we're going to keep as uh, long-term rental. Uh, I'm sorry, long-term, short-term rentals. Short-term, short-term. Short-term, yeah. gotcha. short-term rentals. Uh, and uh, so I'm a big fan of that model. Um, I, I just can't say that like that's our, we're only going to be doing that. It just kind of been like we're in Southern California. We buy in core Los Angeles where we typically flip. We buy in the Antelope Valley, uh, Palmdale, Lancaster, which is we typically flip, and then the newer stuff we hold on to, and then we are still actively looking for uh, multifamily there because Section Eight, they, Section Eight does very well there. And then the average house price is about three hundred, where average house price in LA is six hundred. So we're buying houses like half the price we normally would buy, and then um, it's only about an hour out from um, you know, Core Los Angeles. And then, um, then we're buying in the desert because Southern California is very large. So oh, essentially, sure. what, I'm the, what I'm describing is that we're buying in three different kind of markets within Southern California, and then there um, our investment criteria is a little bit different per market. Gotcha, that gotcha. Sense. That makes sense. So, for me, Alex, flipping is a great, great way to. I made a lot of cash at it, but the long term passive income is my goal at my age because you mentioned. You're in Hawaii, you're in LA. So that's what, what I want to do is build it in Phoenix. We've been doing it two and a half years and then take it to other states. But mm-hmm. if we want to go to Colorado, for example, and stay for a month, we got a place there. Yeah. We want to go to LA, we got a place there. And it's making money throughout the year. We're just going to go block it out when we want it and have that lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So going back to that lifestyle we were talking about, if you design it that way, it, That's it really, really works. Yeah, because yeah, then it's uh, sometimes too, it's also about you know controlling the real estate. Not always you have to own it. Exactly. Um, the know, arbitrage. There's, there's yeah. the arbitrage model. So um, we do that. like, yeah. for example, like, so we, we do have a couple of properties now. So like I have the Maui, we call it the Maui State because it is a large property. It's like 3,500 square feet nice. with a sick ocean view. So that's my primary I'm gonna residence. I'm going to come visit. Yeah, bro. Come <laughs> through. Um, and so on that property, we're not able to really do a legal Airbnb. So we're not doing short-term rental on that. On that particular property, we're using it more just to live ourselves lifestyle-wise. For me and my partner, I have an equity partner on that deal. And then we're allowing our private money lenders, our team members, our high-level network to stay at the property either at a highly discounted or even no charge rate because like they're, they just lent us a quarter million dollars on a For deal. Sure. Go yeah. stay in my house in Hawaii. Yeah. I'm not even there. I'm in Phoenix <laughs> working on the deal that you help invest in. Like you go enjoy Hawaii, I'm over here. So how far is that going to go compared to me like, oh, maybe trying to make another couple thousand dollars a month in cash flow from that, that, from that property? You, that, now that property is special in that way. We, For sure. So each property that you have can be used in, in different ways. Yeah. We're sitting in a one point, this is probably a 1.5 once it's done Mm -hmm. in Chandler, but same thing. I'm going to block it out for people like yourself and others who wanted to use it as a mastermind once it's all set up. It's a 5,000 square foot. So it's perfect to have like a weekend mastermind and, you know, stuff like that. Because then you start looking at, at real estate more than just like, okay, 
the exact numbers of what you can do on it uh, if you if you if you um, kind of design it right. So that's a Maui one, and then like I have my Guadalajara penthouse. So I just had one of my really close wholesaler friends from LA stay there for like a week. One of my private money lenders from uh, from Hawaii is going there. He's Hispanic, so he's going down there. Uh, if you'd like to check it out, you know whenever for you sure. want to go down there, let well, me you know. You said penthouse because so, I so, want the Chicago penthouse. Yeah. So so I am you know like I spent that one's the lease, so I don't I, I can't I don't own it, uh -huh. but it's like almost two thousand square feet. It's two thousand dollars a month. I mean, for this like penthouse, like in the Beverly Hills of Guadalajara. Beautiful. Um, I love being down there. I mean, it's so inexpensive. It's hard to spend a lot of money down there. Yes, the, yeah, the, I remember. The, the coast and the touristic areas, um, like you know, like Cancun and all that. That's a, can get a little bit more expensive, or you know, because they inflate prices. But like core, like Mexico, like Guadalajara. I mean, uh, the food is is is, is very affordable. The, the service, the people uh, are great. Uh, we we have four virtual assistants in Mexico. Two that are in Guadalajara, one and two in, uh, that are other states. So um, that. For me, I'm building that lifestyle down there where I have access to like extended family because my mom's from there. I have access to continue to grow my virtual team that supports my teams in Los Angeles and Hawaii and now Phoenix. Um, I have the uh, like the lifestyle feeling like I'm like living like a king, but I'm spending like five grand. Yeah, it's <laughs> just the way you set up things is, yeah, is yeah. beautiful. And, and, I, and, and also, I'll say that it's been great being single in Mexico with. You know, a good setup. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> say I that. can imagine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, but so that's, again, that's lifestyle. I get to, you know, I get to enjoy it, but then also my team, my network, and then, you know, my lenders and people that are helping me win get to use it as well. And sure, it's costing me, you know, 25 grand a year, but, you know, that's one deal. That's half of one deal for us. Right. Um, and then also, like, uh, you know, this guy staying there, he's going to probably send me another house that we're going to make at least that. So uh, if you use real estate in, in a certain way, I'd love you can that. really, really benefit um, from it other than just like the exact nuts and bolts numbers. Like, hey, is this cash flowing $500 a month? Because if I ran the Maui house out, I probably could cash for like, like $2,000 a month. And that's going to be what, $24,000 a year. I'm pretty sure by using that house in other ways, I'm able to make more than $24,000 in positive and cover the expenses of that property. Yes. Just like the, yes. the, the penthouse. So if I ask you where you're going tomorrow or the next day, I have a feeling you know exactly where you're, you're headed per se. So you, like most people, not most people, let, let's back up. Like some people you ask, what do they want? Mm -hmm. They'll tell you everything they don't want. So you, for me, I have to know where I'm going, like, but be flexible within it. But yes. like, here's what we're going to do this year. We're going to have, you know, X amount of properties in Phoenix that are going to Airbnb. And next year we're going to other states because if you're not setting it up and pushing yourself, you don't know. You, yeah, exactly. And just... even being here in Phoenix, like uh -huh. flip, like that's, I, it was, it was by design. I went to, you know, after I started I could seeing, tell just talking yeah, to you. Yeah. Everything's we, at plan. It, it wasn't like just <laughs> randomly picked Phoenix. I just noticed that it was, there's direct flights. I went to, I went here, I went to uh, uh, Texas and Florida and I just wanted a place where I could invest some of the profit we're making in from LA and SoCal. Um, little bit more strategically because of the you know the rental laws you know the tenant friendly state of california and so one at each state is different so yeah that's why i landed here in phoenix or in you know this area because i it's just there's direct flights from guadalajara there's direct flights from maui there's direct flights from la all of that and so since i like to travel but yeah i do know where i'm at usually my my travel schedule is like four to six weeks out yeah so i know where i'm gonna be at for like the next month month and a half sometimes you know other events i'm gonna go to but yeah, me, uh, and, and that's yeah. the advice I would offer the audience. Know what you want and stick to it and, and do it at least for a year. Like stick to that game plan because I remember early on, oh, you could do land, you could do this. No, I'm sticking to residential. I'm going to be the master yeah. residential. So stay 
it gets like people want to jump ship too early. I feel. In some yeah, absolutely. You, if you become highly skilled and super knowledgeable and one of the best at, at certain, it allows you to start to add other things rather than just you know you're pretty good at something, but then. Um, it's not going to be consistent. Right. That's, I think, right. a very important part of it. Uh, I didn't start thinking about investing in another state or um, start growing my team out or even moving. I wouldn't have moved to L.A. if I didn't already have some – or moved to Hawaii if I didn't already have some type of deal flow already happening and some type of revenue. It would, it would have been a disaster. Yes. So I think it's uh, – get really good at where you're at. That way you can start to add other things and start to, you know. And, yeah. and stick to your plan. Don't be swayed so easy by, oh, what Bob or Susie thinks. Like, no one knows. Like, your parents don't know. Like, yeah. you got to stick to your. I, I actually have a thought about that because, Flip, a lot of people would know, would know me as a flipper, right? Okay. Like, because most of the deals I was working on flips. And so, like, I would get a lot of slack from people. Like, oh, yeah, that, that, why don't you burr that one? And why don't you have more rentals and all that? And, and my response was always, well, look, I'm looking to master flipping so that way I can make a lot of money so I can keep more rentals. So, Facts, yeah. you know, sure, could I maybe own another two, three rentals a year or something like that if I had really made that a priority? Sure, that probably is the case. But now um, with these 18 doors we just took down and then the uh, other, I think we have another 18 or so doors like, you know, that we're working on active. We're going to keep about half of those. So I, I'm going to end up with, you know, call it like 25 doors. Well, I still end up being at the same place or better if I had, you know, done the other route, right? Which I sure. got more rentals along the way. Yeah. So really it's like everybody has their I, – but I knew all along like I'm going to get really good at the flipping and then I'm going to make way more money I than I need that. to live on. And then with that money, I'm going to invest it into rentals. And that's what we're doing. So, yeah, just stick to your lane like you're saying. Rather, if I had paid, paid attention to all those people, I might have made some bad decisions, bought some rentals that I didn't really need or wouldn't, it would have held me back from growing the flipping business. That's making me more now, allowing me to keep more now. Yes. So. And what I admire about you, Alex, is you're very, like I follow you on Instagram and community, you're out there talking to people and that's, I mean, people want to work with, I think Pace Morby told me that people want to work with people they like. So yeah. like, that's key, right, bro? To yeah. surround yourself with good, like-minded people, but they have different perspectives too. You're like, oh man, I didn't see it that way or think of it that way. Absolutely, absolutely. You got to constantly expand your network, see what other people are up to and see how that might be applicable to what you're working on, you know, what your long-term goals are. But yeah, man, it's, I've been, uh, it's been a great ride. We've been building our own little com deal maker community out. Um, but it just started from a, a weekly webinar that we do, um, kind of a meetup webinar that we, we started to do every week. We just noticed nobody in Southern California was really kind of doing it. So we did it and then I just kind of grew and grew. And now we have like, you know, seven, 800 people on the Facebook group. We've um, got, you know, um, sometimes we average about 50 people that come out every single week. And we just give the game away for free. Like we review deals, we call agents live, we do, um, you know, with specific subjects, we interview experts, but, um, you know, we Super didn't have to cool. do that, but we're just kind of building a community out. But one of the things I could recommend to you guys that I was recommended, it's very important. It just, if you're going to take this business serious, uh, it's best is if people know who you are in your market, because if you become known as, as a buyer, as a you know, buying entity, as somebody that's known as an investor in the area, I mean, that's almost like residual business there, right there. 100%. Uh, and yeah. So, so when you go to those meetups, what do you do, Alex? What do you do, Flip? Like, you got to know what you do specifically. Like, exactly, uh, exactly. And so um, we're always expanding our, uh, you know, reach through whether it be social media or the, the events that we attend. 
but you just never know how you're going to work with somebody. But the common things are that you're going out there taking action and then that way you have something to talk about and you're just like you're not just some newbie that it has a million theory questions and you've done nothing. Uh, but if you walk into those rooms and you, you know, throw yourself out there in uh, social media, um, you'll attract people that resonate with what you're working on. And um, it's just much easier for you to be successful if more people know what you're doing um, that can either help you or that you can help them. And it just, you know, you'll, you'll notice that like, we give away so much free game, but now we've gotten more than we've expected as far as the return with deals, people that partner with us, people that have brought us monster deals that we weren't expecting, we try to help them. And instead we had a JV, um, all that stuff, because you know, it's just, that's how the universe works. We're throwing out there, we're getting, we're put, you know, we're, we're vulnerable. Like, I, I like to joke around, like I'm like, kind of like the, you know, the, um, like the, uh, recently too, like because of all this, I kid you not, I've come to Arizona now and I feel like, you know, like crowds, like, you know, when you crowd surf, like somebody jumps, like an artist jumps okay. into the crowd <laughs> right, right, right. and then everybody's holding them up. <laughs> so like, that's how I feel here yeah, in Arizona, bro. Nice. Like, it's just like love. Like everybody's you, uh, all my other, you know, soul pod people, all these other people. Like another home Yeah, for you. they're just like holding me up, bro. I'm just like, oh man, I feel like, how could I not win here when so many people are, uh, but also, you know, I built out. You, you know, gave you know, so much value, I gave value, exactly. value. So and it's now it's kind of. It feels great. That's amazing, bro. So loved having you here today. Before we part, Alex, um, cut the curve, like three things. I know number one, you told the audiences to ask for help if they need help. Do you have another two to add to that? I would. Yeah. So I would say um, one big one is it's just having that initial mindset. I know it's it just it's cliche or it's so common, but um, you really have to believe that you could uh, be successful in this business. Um, and, and, and maybe you don't see it clearly um, how, but you have to believe that like in some way, shape or form, you can be successful in this real estate investing business or just in this, in this field. So I think that's one big one on the mindset. And then um, what else? So we talked about um, the mindset. What was the other one? Mindset. Oh, the, th the th uh, ask for help. And then also apprenticeship. That, okay. that was a big takeaway that I learned from you. Like, yeah, you, so I would say, yeah, that's another one. Just understand that you're going to have to pay your dues in some way. Uh, and that could be working for free for somebody that could be uh, working for a lower rate than you normally would for somebody that could be, you know, a, a variety of their volunteering for, you know, for a company, uh, you know, that could be so many different ways that you going out there, putting a lot of work and finding a monster deal and then uh, giving an equity piece of it up, even though you don't necessarily need to, to the right individual. Um, I mean, there's so many ways that you can have success in this business, but they all come down to like you actually sacrificing and paying some amount of dues. And, and that might be three months, six months. That might be a year. For me, it was two and a half years. But then like now, like I have the dream of my life and I'm helping other people kind of like create their own like dream life. Um, and I thought it would take me 10 years and it took me a little bit more than five. So just make sure that you understand like the amount of time you might need to put into this business to have success. So you don't get discouraged after like a couple of months. Awesome. Awesome. And in concluding, Alex is available through his Instagram. I'm available. If you guys have questions, we're available. So like I've seen when I was down at Cody Sperber's office, I used to work down there during the pandemic. Um, you know, the guys that came in my office and asked me questions, the door was wide open, bro. Mm -hmm. So like, don't be afraid to ask questions. We're here. Um, and it was a great, great chat today, brother. Good getting to know you. And thanks, guys, for watching the Cut the Curve. Stay tuned for the next episode. And uh, probably see you in Hawaii soon. Let's get it. <laughs> All right, brother. Aloha. Aloha.